If you're anything like me, you spent your childhood assuming that one day you'd meet your Prince Charming. You'd get married, you'd have a nice house in the suburbs, a dog, a career, and a couple of kids. It never crossed your mind that Prince Charming wouldn't come along, or that tragically you'd lose him before his time, or that your marriage wouldn't work out, or even that your biological clock would have other ideas. Or maybe you never really wanted that sort of happily ever after. Maybe you never wanted a man, but you did know you always wanted children. We're living in an age where for the first time, women can embrace motherhood on their own terms. They no longer have to put their lives on hold waiting for the right man, or settling for someone who they know isn't right for them, just so they can become a mother. More women than ever before are embarking on the journey to become what's known as a solo mother by choice. And while for a lot of us it doesn't feel like a choice, but more a necessity, the bottom line is there are now options for you to be able to fulfill your dreams of motherhood if the traditional route isn't playing out as expected. The No Need for Prince Charming podcast will share stories of Australian women who have successfully become solo mothers by choice. They each have a unique story as to why they decided to pursue motherhood in this way and the journey they had to go through to make this dream a reality. The hope is that by sharing these stories, you'll have the knowledge and the confidence to embark on this amazing journey yourself if you determine it's the right one for you. In the words of Walt Disney, all of our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. All you need is faith, trust, and a little bit of pixie dust. Welcome to today's podcast episode, Emily. I would love to start by understanding what led you to make the decision to become a solo mum by choice. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Alicia. Just before we hit record, I was saying that I feel like I know you so well after mm-hmm. listening to so many, so many stories. But yeah, I guess I've kept myself a bit more of a mystery. So I am, yeah, solo mum to two little girls. I've got Daisy, who's 3.5. I always say that. I'm just used to writing it. Sorry, <laughs> three and a half. And Polly is 20 months. And I didn't expect to be a solo mum, but I was in a relationship with Daisy's father, Back in 2018, we were actually in a really long distance relationship and it was quite rapidly progressing. We thought the world of each other and um, we decided really, really quickly that we wanted to make a life together and start trying for kids, even though we were living on opposite continents, um, not knowing I actually was already pregnant. So Daisy was very, (laughs) yeah, so Daisy was um, a very happy surprise and yeah, it just, it all happened so quickly, but it did mean a quick continental move from me to Europe um, without kind of properly getting to know him. Um, We'd never lived together. You know, the times we'd seen each other were beautiful and romantic and tiny little windows into each other's lives, but not really the big picture stuff that you would need to to pursue parenthood together. And we certainly, yeah, we had our, um, our differences of opinion. So I did quickly pack up and move over there just the ease of it. I had a European passport already. And within a few weeks, I realized, oh dear, this is not, this is not going to be a happy ending. Um, Yeah, there was just too many, too many problems too early on. And I was starting to feel some real, some real like danger signs or yeah, it was just worrisome. So I, I just decided that it was going to be best for, for me and for the baby if we were back in Australia. And so much to his dismay I said look I'm really sorry but I want to have this child in Australia and you're more than welcome to come like I'm, I'm happy to try and make this work but it's what's going to be best especially for my mental health I'd had a long history of um, anxiety and depression when I was younger 
And I just wanted to make sure that I was giving both myself and the baby like the best possible start at life and being surrounded by a support system that I understood and I knew how to access the services I might need. So he did reluctantly come, but he just couldn't quite fit into the kind of the culture and the the way of life in Australia and he didn't feel like it was good for his career prospects and just felt a little trapped here, I suppose. Mm. And I never, I never, um, oh, what's the word? Like I didn't judge him. I, I got it. Like, you know, we'd found ourselves in this situation so suddenly and it was a huge upheaval. So when Daisy was born, just shortly after that, we did decide to split up and he moved back to Europe. So that was September 2019. So suddenly I found myself brand new mum, brand new single mum. And yeah, I guess with my with my history of anxiety and whatnot, people in my life probably expected that I was going to fall to pieces, but somehow it just was the most life-affirming thing to ever happen to me. I was so at ease. I was so besotted with this tiny little human being and I just felt this purpose like run through me. And I yeah, from that day forward, I've never been so happy and so content and so sure of myself as well just just like this is what the point was like oh, I get it now like I kind of never really did but now I'm just like oh this is what the true joy is and yeah I was so so grateful for that um obviously there were yeah hurdles to overcome like and and things to get through in that first little newborn period adjusting to it all but it was a few months that went by and just bliss to be honest just absolute bliss and I definitely started thinking like, oh, but this isn't kind of the way it was meant to be in terms of I wanted to have more than one kid and I thought I'd be doing it with someone and certainly didn't just want to have an only child. I thought that Peter and I would have probably two, definitely under two. Um, yeah. yeah, I've always been really maternal. I've always been the one with the baby born and, you know, played The Sims and loved <laughs> the Sylvanian families and I nannied all throughout university. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so fun playing it with the girls now. Um, So it was, yeah, probably when Daisy was about six months old, I started feeling the pressure to start dating again. And yeah. I was, I re-downloaded the apps and I was like, yep, doing the mental math. I've really got to start, like, trying to find another man if I want to have another baby and, you know, pursue the the fairy tale yet again. Um, And I went on a couple of dates just with one guy and it just something so starkly, oh, sorry, I, I realised so starkly, like, wow, I do not want a man. Like, I, this is not at all what I'm doing. You're detracting from my time with my precious daughter. Yeah. I am so happy with my little family I've created at the moment. And the, you're, I'm literally looking at you as a means to an end. And that's not fair for anyone. Like, it's definitely not the start of a happy, healthy relationship. And I was just thinking, got all the time in the world, like possibly another 50 years of living, um, certainly I can meet another man down the track, but for now I don't want to rush into it knowing that it's because I want a second child. And a few different synchronicities kind of came my way and I learned of a few women that had pursued um, donor conception and I did my own research and I went and got a referral to um, Concept Fertility in Perth when Daisy had just turned one. But that same week I then learned of the Facebook group Sperm Donation Australia and just all like these pieces fell into place and it just it seemed I don't know I'm definitely one to follow the the serendipity in life and when when lots of kind of clues are jumping out at me I've just got to take it as yeah this is the path I'm meant to be taking 
So I consulted with my mum. She's definitely my best friend and a few other friends as well and said, look, I was going to go down um, the donor conception route anyway, but given we know that I am young, I'm only 30, or at that point I was 28, um, Mm -hmm. and I don't have any, like, known fertility issues just yet, why burden that system um, or, you know, turn it into something medical if it might not need to be, if I can find a safe alternative where I'm still getting all the appropriate medical checks and the reassurances and STD checks and I can actually meet a donor who I really agree with their their way of being and I get a feel for their personality and their motivation as to why they would want to do this given it is such a huge, huge, huge decision to make. Um, and they, they were just so encouraging. It was just beautiful. My mum in particular was just like, darling, you've got to do this. Like I'll support you every step of the way, you know, being a mum, like clearly nothing has ever lit you up the way that Daisy has and yeah she was just so supportive and I'm just forever grateful for that um, probably probably a much easier and, conversation for you to have with her because she'd already seen you with Daisy and knew that you could do it and had confidence yeah yeah absolutely oh for sure yeah some left field like if it's um, your first child donor conceived I know some people have some challenging conversations with their parents but yeah it sounds easy nice <laughs> yeah yeah it was um my dad and stepmom were probably a little more on the side of oh like oh, God, okay, like, well, you know, it's your life, like, if that's what you want. And, oh, God, I remember my <laughs> my landlord at the time, he was like this 70-year-old man and he was um, just said to me like, oh, well, you've got to make life very hard for yourself then, haven't you? Oh, <laughs> difficult thing. And I was like, oh, that's just the way you frame it. Like, I'm all about mindset and, oh, you could think of it as making life hard, but I was thinking, if anything, it's just making life more joyful and, and easier in some ways too. So, I I put one of the little ads up on the the um the Facebook page. <laughs> it was so bizarre. Like it was such an interesting thing to be doing. And I didn't I didn't feel too attached to the outcome. I just thought, look, I'm putting it out there, let's see if anyone responds. And I've yeah, got a lot of messages in yeah. the kind of following 48 hours. I weeded through them. There were lots that would just seemed a bit dodgy or just made me feel a bit uncomfortable or a bit inappropriate. And then there was definitely a handful that were really great and I just was like this is amazing I can't believe that this exists now and I've since heard of like that app as well just baby and there's a few other platforms as well so I talked to a few messages and then there was this one man who lived fairly locally and I just really liked a lot of the things he'd written as to why he was thinking of donating actually no he'd already had donated to two same-sex couples um so we had an exchange of of messages and then met for a coffee just so I could kind of get to know him a bit get a sense of his humor and his personality and yeah see see how that went and I got home and I just said to mum like yeah I'm doing it like I'm I'm just gonna go ahead with it and so it was really exciting I started tracking my ovulation and it was honestly a matter of I think maybe six weeks from having the appointment with the GP saying like I think I want to pursue donor conception to finding the Facebook group to meeting the donor to getting the the little like happy face on the ovulation test and being like okay it's go time um and yeah so that's how that's how it all happened and I just am so grateful you know I'm I know that medicine has such an incredible incredibly important place for so many women and um, in terms of IUIs and IVF, and I would have pursued that if I needed to. But for me, it was just it enabled 
a really beautiful, soulful connection where he gave me his donation um, in like a car park at the Dome at the Dome Cafe. That's and <laughs> I remember, I know, so beautiful. And um, I felt like a bit of a drug deal going on. He like handed me this little discreet <laughs> package and I like quickly like got in the car and I was like, oh, my God, I hope there's no cops around and um, popped it between like my thighs on the drive home to keep it warm. And I just like my heart was racing and um I remember getting every green light on the drive home and I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I'd already, like, had my room so beautiful and I had, like, essential oils and I had this yoga moon playlist on and I just had the most incredible little, like, ceremonial conception of, yeah, just absolute bliss. I, yeah, like, my hands on my heart. I just, before I jumped on before, I was reading the journal that I, journal article I wrote. Um, I kind of kept my legs raised after I'd done it, literally, like, the turkey base start just used a baby Panadol syringe um, <laughs> and I journaled for like a good hour and all about like setting setting off fireworks to our future as a little family and just welcoming in a little baby if, if they felt so cool to join us and yeah it was just like a little love letter really for, for the baby to be and then I went and got a massage and just had such a reflective day and was so grateful and open to whatever would happen and a few weeks later, then I did the pregnancy test and it was negative. And I just felt so, so heartbroken and knew, okay, this is definitely what I want. And I'm kind of glad I got the negative because it yeah. meant, like, it gave me that clarity, you know, like there was, there was no, um, yeah, just, just gave me that real peace of mind as to like, okay, cool. I wasn't relieved. Like, this is definitely what I wanted to see. Um, but then my period didn't come. And I took another pregnancy test a few days later and sure enough, it was positive. Oh, wow. So it actually was little Polly. Yeah. So she just was tricking me. I don't know how that, that happened because it was definitely two weeks I waited. But, um, yeah, so I think I surprised everyone else in life besides the ones that knew I'd been, I'd been um, contemplating it. They didn't quite realise how quickly it would happen, nor did I. But, yeah, so when when Daisy was 22 months, I gave birth to Polly. And oh, wow. so two under two, yeah. Yeah, two under two. Yeah, that's it. Sorry, that was like the most long-winded introduction. <laughs> it was perfect, yeah. though. It yeah. was. I think it's really nice for people to be able to hear that it, it can happen really quickly as well. We have a lot yeah. of stories where it's a long, arduous journey to to get the success mm. in the end. But this was, for both times, really simple. Well, I yeah, said, you know, just and it sounds like such a beautiful conception as well, the way that you described yeah. the, the room and everything you did. So yeah. I would have been really disappointed if it hadn't worked out at all. No, it was just so special. Yeah. Oh, I'm just, I'm just so grateful for that little girl. Like she just completed something in our family and yeah, just after she was born, it was just something was so different. I can't quite describe it. Like, yeah, it's just, it's really hard to put into words. I, I get emotional honestly thinking about it because I can't imagine life without her now. She's just so funny and such a hilarious little character and she and Daisy just get on so well now. You know, they're, they're at that age where they're starting to play and, mm. yeah, that's it's something special. Yeah. And how did you go with the relationship with the donor? Have you kept him across the fact that she is now here and do you have any relationship with him going forward in terms of? That. yeah so I let him know as soon as I found out that I was pregnant um he also keeps me up to date with the other siblings and mm -hmm. there was also two other conceptions after Polly and so he was stopping at five he'd always said oh no sorry five other families so there's six families in total 
Um, and I'm the only single mother. The others are all lovely same-sex couples. So there's 11 mums in total. Um, I let him know when she was born. I think I messaged him the day or day after and he just sent all his best wishes and he's been wonderful. He always sends like a little message for Christmas or on her birthday he remembered to send a message just saying like he was, you know, wishing us all the best and um, he's definitely open to whatever it is that I want or that she wants in from a relationship. So from the moment she was born I've always just kept that narrative open that, you know, you don't have a dad, you've got a really generous donor and he lives in Perth as well. And if you'd like, you can meet him and, or you don't have to, I've just kind of, I don't think she'll ever know any different. Like she just, it's just kind of what, what I've always said, Daisy will tell anyone that we meet that Polly doesn't have a daddy. She has a donor. I've got an <laughs> uncle who lives in Europe. And I'm just like, oh, darling, that's too much information for the Woolworths checkout chick, but that's all right. But no, I'm, I'm so proud of her. Like she, she's just great as well. So we haven't met him yet. Um, I keep, every time I go to the shops, actually, I, I kind of have a, a, in my peripheral vision, I'm like, is he going to be here today? Because he's since moved to the next suburb. So I'm sure it will, it, there will come a time when we bump into each other. But I do want it to be a bit more of like a significant meeting for her sake more than anything. Um, and just when she's probably old enough to to have that that memory formed or, or mm. something like that. Yeah. Um, as for her donor siblings, though, we do have a WhatsApp group now and we've oh, had our great. first picnic in January, yeah, where six of the kids all got to, got to meet. One of the families doesn't live in Perth, but the others were all there and it was just such an incredible experience. Like there were tears and everyone was just, yeah, it was it was huge just meeting all these other little little tiny babies that this generous man's made possible. Just Are they all quite similar in age or...? Yeah, so the oldest is two and a half and the youngest is his little sister and she would be approaching one, I guess, maybe about 10 months old. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so they're all kind of in that toddler mode, um, which was just awesome, all running around and, yeah, it was really cool. Quite a chaotic picnic, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we'll try and do that once or twice a year and um, we're always in touch and, it's great as well just to be able to like vet for any medical info or if, if anyone's like, oh, hang on, like this is going on. Like Polly recently has had some some things happening in the, the health sphere and so I was just able to like check in with the other mums and see if anyone had had something similar and, and same goes for knowing the donor. It's great. Like we've got a thorough medical history and we can still like touch base if we need to know like extra kind of stuff. But so far so good, Yeah. And how do you navigate those conversations with Daisy, the fact that she has a dad and that Polly has a donor and that they come from different places? Um, I guess she was only one when I got pregnant with with Polly and I'd had a few books already. Um, I'd just always been really open. I mean, it's it was a bit complicated. She didn't see her dad in person for a few years because of the borders being closed. So um I just just would speak to her. I just would tell her part of her bedtime stories, you know, about that I was going to grow our family and that, you know, I haven't found another man to to have like a daddy for the new baby, but there's a, there's a special way I can I can still get that seed I need to grow a baby in my belly and it would mean that, you know, the baby just has a mummy, not a daddy, but that's okay. You know, she's got a daddy and everyone's family is different. Um and then, of course, there's been a brilliant new book published this year. <laughs> no, we, we, we do love your book. Um, I'll have to send you a photo of them reading it. That's one of Polly's favourites in particular, which is really cool. So, yeah, I just 
honestly have heaps of books and in play I try to make the dinosaurs have blended families and you know so we've got like the mummy stegosaurus and the other mummy stegosaurus and you know they've got these kids or there's two dads and they've adopted this one or they've they've used a surrogate egg I'm like well the pterodactyls gave the egg to this one and um because yeah Daisy's like a bit of a tomboy and then same goes it's like just their dolls they just honestly in in the sorts of conversations that yeah would would kind of figure in their brains just about like oh well this dolly doesn't have a dad like she's just got you doesn't she and or this dolly does and yeah, I don't know, just just put it into their language and just constantly have conversations in in things we watch on TV together. I'll be like, oh, yeah, like Bluey and Bingo, they've got a mum and a dad. But, you know, in Llama Llama, he's only got a mum. I wonder I wonder what where his mum got him from. <laughs> that sounds a bit weird. Where did she get him? What shop? <laughs> no, where, like, I wonder, yeah, you know, I wonder if she, she used to be with the Llama's dad or did she use a donor like I did with Polly and, yeah, it's just just ways like that. Yeah. I think there's some really good advice there for anybody who's going to be in a similar situation going forward, especially with the surrogate pterodactyls. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So is there any advice that you'd give anyone else who's in a similar situation who's already got a child with a partner and then looking to do donor conception for a second one or third or fourth? Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's a completely different situation to be raising a child with someone, um, whatever capacity that co-parenting might be. Um, for me, for instance, I still get like a little bit of child support from Daisy's dad and that's obviously helpful. And then I've got to maintain like frequent communication and navigate visits. Like he's got to come visit from Europe and we've got to go over there at times. We haven't yet, but we will. Um, whereas with the the donor conceived child, it's just all you. And I, I remember finding it so challenging naming her. I just suddenly felt the weight of the world and as though like, oh, my God, it's all on me. Like people are going to judge me. And it was easier to do certain things when it, when we were coupled versus, yeah, doing it all on my own. It just was so, like it was such a responsibility. You're like, wow, I am entirely responsible for this human. Like I can't blame it on anything else other than, yeah, the, the way that I'm raising her. Um, which is just a beautiful privilege though. And and if anything, yeah, it's just, it's shown me that I am strong, I am empowered and what an incredible thing to be able to do and what a time and place to be living in. You know, I've got friends overseas. I used to live in South America and they, they think it's brilliant, but they're like, there is no way we could do that. Like we'd be disowned from our families. So yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, like to be, yeah, this generation where it's, you know, it's just, so much more widely accepted I'm just so grateful but yeah don't don't fool yourself into thinking that it's easy like it certainly can be exhausting um especially with the the age gap that I chose um I don't know I don't know if I thought I guess when you have your first you just think oh I'm such a seasoned parent now like they're one like wow you know I've just like <laughs> seen it all and so I certainly was like oh Daisy's just like practically raised like she's one I can definitely have another baby and then I, you know, got pregnant so quickly, but they were both in nappies. Like they were both required so much of me. And yeah, you do have to split your your time and energy. And, and that's obviously hard. You do feel that sense of grief that, oh, wow, I've taken away from Daisy. Like she was so used to having all of me and suddenly, you know, she's got to share. And I did a lot to prepare her for, my, um, for, for Polly's arrival and, you know, got her her special doll. And um, what else did I do? 
yeah, just lots of prepping and conversations and involved her as much as possible. And I would always say to Polly out loud, even as like a little blob three week old, I'd be like, hang on, Polly, I can hear you're crying, but Daisy just needs me right now. So you'll just have to wait for a minute. And constantly that kind of thing, like making sure that Daisy felt like she was really important. And I just, <laughs> it was just so funny. A fly on the wall must have been like, what is happening here? But <laughs> um, always praising Daisy and yeah, just being like, oh, wow, like, you know, you're using the potty, like Polly can't do that. Like, oh, my gosh, like you're just incredible. And But still validating her and that you're still my baby too. So I'd also invite her to pretend to be the baby if she wanted to play baby for the day or, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, so I think I got a bit off, off topic there. But, <laughs> yeah, she just, oh, so proud, so proud of those girls. Um, but other advice? Um, it, I mean, for me, it literally, it, it wasn't a financial thing going from, going from one to two was, was not too hard. Like I kind of had all of the stuff and I think that's why I did choose to do it quite quickly in that I'm in this phase, I had just received a redundancy payout from my work at Virgin. And so I was like, you know what, now is probably a good time. I'm not, you know, full, um, not head, what's the word, head deep? deep deep in like a career <laughs> I'm not yeah I'm not like in in a proper career right now I'm I'm still on maternity leave so I might as well just kind of take an extended career break for myself and then go back to that later um and I liked the idea of them kind of having that early childhood together and really it's just been the biggest gift for Daisy and giving her this this little friend for life now yeah yeah do you think you've changed since becoming a mum oh I've changed so much and thankfully I think for the better I'm just so much more patient now um I just love telling them like don't hurry we don't have time to be in a rush like no. I just love that I just love <laughs> I just love the slow easy days like not really having too much planned when Daisy was a baby we certainly were like doing the baby swimming lessons and going to baby gym and going to rhyme time and doing this and then once Polly came along, I was like, wow, we just have nowhere to be. And that is so beautiful. And um, when we had our, our turn with COVID and, you know, we weren't allowed to leave the house for a couple of weeks, I just loved it. I just was like, oh, my God, this is so beautiful. Like we just had a big garden and spent so much time outside. And it's really just been such a playground for my own inner child. I think I rushed to grow up and I rushed to do really well in uni and school and, you know, have a good career in that. But at the end of the day, like it comes back to my real huge values are just playfulness and being in the moment and being spontaneous and the kids allow for that. And I'm just so grateful. I'm just, you know, there's there's this pressure to almost pretend like you don't just want to be a mum, but like, fuck, that's all I wanted. <laughs> like I just, it's just always been what I wanted. And what a beautiful like kind of reverse feminism that we can be, we can literally choose to be, just a mum inverted commas kind of thing like you know I'm so grateful that that's yeah that I'm allowed to do that now and like well no one can tell me off <laughs> so how else have I changed um oh definitely I just I know what I value I value my health I value the girl's health and I just value our happiness more than anything so I really try and ground into that try and stick with my going to yoga every Monday and just introducing them to being um, 
comfortable with their emotions. We do a lot of a lot of mindfulness together and um, just a lot of like imaginative play and I don't know, yeah, just it's just a slow kind of life, but in the best in the best possible way. I look forward to adventures in the future. I think there's still a little part of me that looks forward to that, but I also did manage to achieve a lot and see a lot of the world when I was younger and I think that made it a bit easier soaking into to motherhood. Mm. I want to come live at your house. It sounds so calm and beautiful. How do, you, <laughs> oh. how do you find time for yourself in all of this with two young kids? Um, I had more time to myself last year from from the time Polly was about six months old I put her in daycare one day a week and then increased it to two days a week and Daisy's always been going for two days a week um and I was really hoping to kind of go into the personal development world and coach others or write a book or do something along those lines but the more time apart the more time I spent apart from them it's almost like the less I was achieving or the more pressure I was feeling and it was kind of as though I was like not so aligned with how I did want to live and the truth was like I actually just really wanted to be at home with them and I felt really guilty that I was just having Centrelink and I felt like I didn't deserve it almost I was like oh that's not fair for everyone else in society working and you know which is such a strange concept I don't know where really where that thought came from but um towards the end of the year I decided no that's that's not for me um I I just want to enjoy their early childhood. Like I know that I'm going to look back and think that it went by so quickly. Like it already is going by so quickly. So I took them out of daycare then in December. And so it's been about four months now. And I do find time. I, I go to the gym about three times a week. There's a free crèche there. And they're, they're so beautiful, the women that work there. I'll be honest with them. I'll be like, yep, not going to the gym today. Going to go have a really long shower and then sit down and write in my journal. And they're just like, oh, good on you. So, like, this morning, yeah, I'm, like, in my gym clothes, so we didn't go to the gym. I mean, I didn't go. They went to Croatia. And, yeah, I just sat down and had a coffee at the cafe there and just enjoyed some time to myself. Um, and then, yeah, I also will go to yoga, though, and I will do a couple of classes at the gym. I've got some support in my mum and my stepdad live in the same suburb and my dad lives not too far away. Uh, and I've gotten better at asking for help from, like, my friendship group as well. I think earlier in this year was, and it did, it kind of did come at the same time as when I took them out of daycare, I was suddenly like, oh God, can I do this? Like I'm exhausted. I was feeling like this deep fatigue. Um, and so I just kind of had to say like, look guys, I think I need to rely on you a little bit more. Like, can I drop the girls off for an hour or two or can someone come over and help me do this or blah, blah, blah. And, and that's been really receptive. Um, I think I wish I could tell myself to do that a lot earlier on, even when Daisy was a baby, you know, I just didn't really, didn't really ask for help besides from my immediate family. But now I realise like there's no shame in asking. I had um, about a month ago, which has been like a really rocky time. Um, Polly's just chronically been a bad sleeper. And so we'd spent a bit of time at the Nagala Sleep School or Sleep Centre getting just some support, which was really good. And they really cracked me open. I think I unraveled a bit there because the psychologists and social workers and child health nurses and it was the first time in literally three years that I'd been like so well fed and looked after and had like other people caring for me instead of me doing all the caring for. And they just 
they just like asked all the big questions and a lot of emotion came up and they helped me realize like I didn't have much of a village really like I hadn't I hadn't got it the way as I'd kind of imagined I would have so I got home from there just feeling just really raw I guess like and and really proud of myself like it wasn't a bad feeling of raw it was just this kind of acceptance of like oh shit like I've been doing a lot on my own and now I don't have childcare and I'm just with the girls all the time and I've had my own health issues and mental health stuff in the past as I said so I sent out a bit of an SOS message to some friends and I was like guys like I'm really struggling like financially um you know like we all know the cost of living is just nuts at the moment and then my landlord told us we have to move out and it was just all at once. I know it was just a horrible like series of events um, and all my friends just rallied together. I had literally three friends on my doorstep with like groceries and mm. like within like an hour people were dropping off like meals and like what can we do? Like we'll take the girls, like you do this and people just helped so much and I just couldn't have done it without them all so yeah, everything kind of fell into place and now we're, we're in a new little spot and I think it's worked out for the better. It's um, a bit more expensive and I've got to be even more frugal, but I just am living out that dream of being with the girls and, you know, enjoying their early years. And I know that there's not much time to go. Like Polly's will be two in a couple of months and, yeah, so. It goes way too fast, doesn't it? It does. It really does. As they get older, what are you looking forward to the most though? Oh, God. Um, looking forward to them playing more, more with each other. Um, I have, like, just such beautiful – it's almost like reverse memories. Like, it's like I can see it in my mind's eye, but it hasn't even happened yet, kind of like future casting or something of just we live near the local netball courts and I can't wait to just, like, walk to the netball courts on Saturday mornings, get, like, a hot chocolate on the way and um, – definitely travel we're actually going to Sydney this week um, which will be the first time I've been on a plane since being a mum which is insane because I was a flight attendant right up until I was like 30 weeks pregnant with Daisy so that'll be a fun little adventure and I can't wait to to introduce them to some friends I used to live there and so I really look forward to showing them the world I spent a year in South America when I was younger and I just have a huge part of my heart still I think lives there so I can't wait to bring them um do like Spanish lessons with them and just teach them to be resilient and teach them the ways of the world and how to be proud of themselves and just courageous and creative and I don't know bring out the best in them I think it's such a privilege being a mum and I don't take it for granted so yeah just help them be themselves and oh god you're gonna make me cry <laughs> oh <laughs> I just love it when you just sit and imagine what your life's going to be like and it's like there's a chance that this may never have happened if you hadn't taken things into your matters into your own hand and it's oh, just God. so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. It really is. <laughs> Do you think you'll be expanding the the family in future or your little threesome is that's it? Um, I feel like in my current life circumstances, I think it's probably we're we're closed for business um we're just yeah we're a happy little unit now um who knows like I said I'm 30 I know maybe in a decade's time I might I might meet someone by then and just they might really want a child so I can't imagine that at this point I feel as though 
if I was to date in the future, I'd probably only want to date a single dad who has already been through it and has his own kids and know that love and know why that the kids are as important to me as they are. Um, I'm not sure. I really, I'm not sure. I feel as though if we like, I'm very passionate about like, um, like not women's health, what's the word? Like, um, like community services and that kind of thing. So I have no idea what, what life will hold or what what my career will will come up like so it will come of my career and like what financial capacities will have but I can even imagine being older and like fostering or that kind of thing so yeah just I definitely have more love to give but I am constrained now in terms of like the resources I have and the time and the energy that I'd have I wouldn't possibly be able to to give another child what they deserve the way I can to my two even at times like having to who, you know, you're split in half and there's not another parent there to, to help with bedtime or bath time or, you know, to do what the other one wants. And, yeah, so that can be tricky. But So, yeah. Watch this space, but, yeah. <laughs> so for anyone who is just considering whether this journey is right for them or not, is there any advice that you'd give them? Um, Just make sure you have like achieved what you want to achieve as an individual and know what your values are and your strengths are and be really really proud of who you are don't go looking to have a baby as kind of a band-aid for something that's missing in your life you know I think a baby is just the most beautifully expansive possible person that can come into your life but yeah don't don't do it for the wrong reasons if you're feeling lonely I don't think it's, you know, the right the right time to be having a baby. Like do the inner work first. Mm-hmm. I spent so much time um, coaching myself, like even prior to having Daisy. Um, I got sober when I was 25 or 26 and that shifted a lot in me. Um, and I think prior to that, my behaviours, I was, you know, like binge drinking a lot and um, definitely like having a bunch of one-night stands and things that were really out of alignment to what like my my core values were and it's just I never really gave myself a chance to know who I was and motherhood's really allowed for that um which is beautiful but I think everything had to fall into place at the right time so I'd also say like yeah watch out for synchronicities and if you just keep stumbling upon so many um so many people that have pursued this before you and it just keeps coming up and you just keep finding signs like yeah I think there's something to be said there I don't know, I'm, I'm not sure where I sit on the woo-woo spectrum, but certainly for me there was a lot of serendipity that kind of guided the path and, I mean, this is freaking the best path ever. So, yeah, I think it's it's the best experience. You've got to be strong. You've got to be able to, you know, deal with all the bad as well as all the good. And, yeah, like I said, it can be exhausting, but there is so much support out there. Um, yeah, I just... What else? I'm just trying to think. Have I missed anything? Um, yeah. Have, um, make sure you you grow like a support system for yourself. Um, find friends that are going to be there for you and are going to lift you up and are going to encourage you all the way. Um, I couldn't have done it as well without my best friend who also has two little girls now as well. So that's really lucky. But, um, yeah. And there's so many great, so many great opportunities for making friends with other solo mums. I love going to the meetups in Perth. They're on once a month, and we've made it to a few. And 
it's just amazing. Like there's there's a lady that lives in my street who, yeah, also is a solo mum by choice and that was oh, just wow. such a coincidence. Yeah. And her daughter's a few years older. Um, so I really look up to her as well. So definitely find some mentors and some role models and yeah, just just believe in yourself. Like it's just it does take courage. Um once you've once you've gotten used to telling your story once, then yeah, it's it's funny, like Polly has bright red curly hair. And so you can imagine like every time we're at Coles or wherever that I always get like, oh, does she get her hair from her dad? And it owes to me telling the story. And I'm like, sometimes I can't be bothered, but I just sometimes want to enlighten society and just be like, no, actually, like she's donor conceived. So, and obviously I do know what her her biological father looks like, but I just like to put it out there. I like to put it into the public consciousness that hang on, don't just make assumptions. Like she doesn't have a dad or something. Or Daisy will do it for me. That's why she'll be like, Polly doesn't have a dad. <laughs> yeah. The poor little work check out of Yeah, I know. She wished she never asked. <laughs> yeah. I think that is a pretty wonderful ending. Definitely a very inspiring story. And I love hearing how much you've grown as a person as a result of pursuing this journey as well. So thank you so much for sharing with everyone. I'm Alicia and this is the No Need for Prince Charming podcast, bringing you stories of Australian solo mums who created their own happy ending. If you like what you heard, please follow or subscribe to make sure you don't miss out on future episodes and leave a like, a review or share with your friends to help others find it easier. Bye for now.